1: Great conversation today with Michael Montiferrani. He's the president and chief executive officer of Envision, which is located here in my hometown of Wichita, Kansas. it has got manufacturing locations in Wichita, Kansas City, plus 16 base supply centers across the United States. They employ over 500 people, and half of them are blind. And I had the privilege to tour the facilities here. I've always known about Envision. They've been around here since 1933, but I never really knew them, if that if you know what I mean by that. I just I had the privilege to tour the facilities and I was just blown away by their manufacturing facility, first and foremost, where 91%, over 90% of the employees are visually impaired or blind. And this is a manufacturing facility in a warehouse, and these people are walking around, and they're doing these work and unassisted, on their own. It was just a very inspiring to see. And in the office, uh, seeing these people work on computers, and, and they're completely blind, but they're listening um, to this program, audio program, that lets them – take customer service calls and operate a computer screen either listening in one ear uh, to the computer screen so they can operate the computer and then listening to the customer in the other. It's just uh, totally remarkable. Anyway, Envision, I like talking with CEOs and I really wanted to highlight this organization just because it seems like to me it's one of these companies that are doing things right and strategy or lack of strategy is always one of my pet peeves um, looking at organizations And, and Michael's leadership style he seems to me as someone that totally gets it from the strategy piece. When you walk around and vision um, the strategic plan uh, for the next couple of years is everywhere to be seen. It's very visible. It's based on five pillars of employment, growth, people, services, and community. And the strategic plan focuses on really two areas, maximizing margin impact, which is important for a business that's been, really been a nonprofit, but they're trying to, how can we generate more revenue? And then also how can we maximize the mission impact? So, it's all through employment, through outreach, under the margin side, and then rehabilitation, education, research, on the other. And um, I don't know I I'm was just impressed with the whole leadership style of Michael Monteferrani and the uh, strategic um, vision, if you will, and the action be- the actions behind it. And again, if I just encourage you to learn more about Envision. Um, Again, they make plastic bags. Three million are produced daily. 26,000 customer service orders filled annually. They make a lot of stuff for the DOD. They make business cards. Um, I think it's over 30 million business cards that they've done. Major contract with the Department of Defense. Uh, Just an amazing company and an amazing uh, leadership culture from my perspective. So I got to sit down with Michael in his office. So the sound quality is a little different because I'm doing it face-to-face with Michael uh, in his boardroom at the corporate offices there, but uh, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. It gets a little insight to what it's like to be a CEO, um, dealing with the challenges of a nonprofit and getting into the, uh, trying to generate more revenue. And it's just a fascinating conversation with a fascinating man. And I, and I hope you, uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Please, if you haven't done so, take the time to subscribe to dose of leadership rate and review. It means so much for the algorithm and, um, keeping the visibility front and center on iTunes and in Stitcher. And again, let me hear from you. When we'd like to see where you're at in your leadership journey, send me an email to Richard at dosaleadership.com You can go to the contact page in dosaleadership.com as well, and you can find more about my speaking and my business advisory services, as well as my coaching services. And you can also check out my Legacy Leader Blueprint course, which is a great way, introductory way to interact with me and to get the fundamentals of leadership embedded into your life and into the culture of your organization again you can find all this information at dosaleadership.com. all right thanks for tuning in and here without further ado is my great conversation with president and ceo of envision michael montiferano well, Michael, I'm so excited to sit down with you face to face. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Oh, great to be here today, Richard.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here, you know, face to face. I've done a handful of these. Normally, I'm in a studio talking with somebody, but I always thrill to sit there and talk someone face to face. It's more engaging and authentic conversation. I've been a fan of you for a long time. You know, I've known of you as kind of a, as a Wichita native and heard about your leadership style. Been always impressed with it. You know, we we know a lot of the same people. You know, since but educate my listeners a little bit about Envision and what it does. I mean, it's well known here in Wichita, but for the, for the rest of my listeners, what is the mission of Envision?
0: Yes. Um, Envision is is amazing. It's one of the oldest organizations in Wichita. Uh, Envision was in for, uh, was formed in 1933 wow. here in is the uh, Kansas Industries for the Blind. It's went through three or four name changes. And about 20 years ago, we became Envision. And uh, the focus of Envision is to improve the quality of life and provide inspiration and opportunity for people who are blind or visually impaired. And we do that through employment, outreach, rehabilitation, research, and education.
1: Yeah, and you know, one thing, I I toured the facility three weeks ago, and even though I knew about Envision, I really didn't know about Envision, you know, until you saw it firsthand. And I was struck Why, when I walked onto this warehouse, this manufacturing facility, and if you would have told me that these people are blind, I would have said, you're lying to me. There's no way that these people are blind, but they're out there working around these machines. They're finding their way to the bath. I mean, I was just, it was really inspirational. I don't know.
0: Well, that's, it's, it's interesting that you share that because I was recruited in 2005 to be on the board of Envision. And at that time, I was the CEO of Optima Bus in Park City, and they didn't have any manufacturing people on their board at that time in 05. And so I said, okay, well, I'd never heard of Envision, again, you mentioned that earlier. And I said, so uh, let's do a tour and see it. So the tour was scheduled to be an hour in the manufacturing division that you were talking about, and one minute in the tour, I could not tell who was blind (laughs) and who wasn't. And I said... I'm in within one minute. So I don't know what we're going to do for the next 59 minutes, but I'm in. (laughs) And it was for that same fact. I was so inspired. I couldn't tell who was blind and who wasn't. And they're pumping out 3 million plastic bags a day on two shifts. I mean, these guys are knocking it out. And 90% of the direct labor on the Envision floor is blind, visually impaired. 90%. It's
1: just insanity. I mean, I wouldn't have known until I saw it. And it was. It inspirational. And then even in the office and watching these people who are legally blind, can't hardly see anything. And they got, what's the name of that software where they're Jaws. Listening? Jaws. Yes. And they play to me oh, yeah. what they're hearing. Yeah. And it's indiscernible. Yeah. It's they just, can
0: hear faster than we can read. Right. And that's what this is all about. When you get proficient at Jaws, you can operate a computer uh, faster than a sighted person because you are going on audio and and that software is talking. We can't understand it. Yeah, it's moving at such a high rate of speed. It's it's gibberish without being trained. You know, and it's just your ear right. picks up on it, and it's faster than me and you can read.
1: It was interesting. I was thinking, and this is kind of off topic, but just from the the way that the mind works or the body works, and you know, they always say when you lose one of your senses, yes. the others are greatly right. In- yep. I, I just wonder if someone that can completely see, you know, because their hearing has got to be. I don't know. It's just you know what I mean? That I just don't see how I could, like, when I listen to it, I'm like, there's no way I can understand what this is. Well, we've got customer
0: it. service people, right, that um two earpieces, one connected to the computer. Right. So uh, JAWS is talking to them, and then the other earpiece connected to the phone. Yeah. So we've got uh, individuals that are hearing in one ear their customer service situation on the phone, then the other ear working the computer. Yep. So think about how dynamic that is. Yeah uh input coming in both ears separately processing that and then typing out the situation yeah. it's it's uh well, it's incredible
1: I, I can see how that it would be exciting to be a leader of that organization i could see that so coming up on 5 years correct i mean yes. 5 years in a couple months yeah. you'll be here as a ceo correct. how has it been I mean, if you look at all of your CEO, ceo journeys or your leadership journey how does this compare
0: well, it's the longest run I've had as a CEO. And so my background has pretty much been private equity turnarounds. And the time frame usually that they put you on in that situation is about a three-year run. Mm-hmm. And so in three-year run, they expect you to be able to um, rebrand the strategy in terms of what's going on, uh, deliver and execute on that strategy, uh, have the correct team assembled, from a succession plan standpoint, mm-hmm. and get it ready to be sold. And um, and it's about a three-year situation. So my previous four jobs have been almost exactly three years. Right. And then the companies are sold for an EBITDA multiple, mm-hmm. and then you move on to the next opportunity. This now is uh, going on five years, and it seems like I'm just getting started. Right. And it's so much fun, and it's so inspirational, and the purpose of what we are accomplishing here as a team is um, is just fantastic and very inspiring and refreshing. So, um, you know, upon hire, we were looking at kind of a 10-year run mm-hmm. here on this deal because the board of directors made it clear this is not a uh, a three-year turnaround right. and it won't be sold. And so they did want some longevity. There had mm-hmm. been some churn on this job before sure. me. And so they wanted stabilization. So I committed for 10 years. And now I've been in for it for 10. I'm refreshed to go another 10. Right. So, I mean, I've been here five, I mean, and I'm refreshed to go another 10. So that's how inspiring it is for me. So, one, just the refreshment of it Mm -hmm. is fantastic. I mean, we've got things that are going on right now that we're just getting started on. And it feels like I started a couple of weeks ago. I can see that.
1: I I wonder how what taking the skills from... Um, startup equities or turnaround equities, um, did a lot of those skills translate or were there things you had to learn along the way or things that surprised you in that kind of, you
0: know? Yeah, there's always surprises, you know, no matter where you are in any type of situation in life, you know, you're always going to have surprises. But absolutely, this is uh, our vision of of not-for-profits and the way I approach things and our board approach things is that we are in the business for the blind. Yeah. Okay, so we we operate this organization um, as a business. We deal with very focused strategic planning. We deal with critical path methodology in terms of deliverables by quarter with champions. And there's a, a major expectation on execution here because we're really uh, moving the needle and yeah. creating... Brand new concepts for this industry for people who are visually impaired. And so, with that, you do use core principles that are absolutely transferable, you know, from uh, private business. And however, I was always a prolific board member. Um, When I left in 2010, you know, I was the incoming chair of the Red Cross. I was on the Convention and Visitors Bureau board. I was on the Envision board. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce and membership committees and, um, uh, the Kansas Humane Society, very active in that. And so I've always had a knack for not-for-profits in right. terms of bringing value and enjoying the cause. And so this is a hybrid of both of those. So, um, it's, it's a great situation for me because I, I have the empathy for the not-for-profit mm-hmm. side of the house and The criticality of mission, but then have the uh, margin side of the house that I can bring because the mission doesn't happen without the margin. Right. So, our whole game plan here is all about uh, maximizing our margin impact so we can maximize the mission impact. Right. And the whole strategic plan is evolved around that. So, it's both.
1: I love that you said that it's a hybrid. I mean, I don't have nearly the experience that you've had with nonprofits. I've certainly seen the challenges that people stereotypically talk about nonprofits versus the private side. But I never understood why can't you just, I mean, nonprofit or not, those core principles that you're talking about are, are there. I mean, leadership principles, execution, regardless of nonprofit or not. And it seems like sometimes people say, well, they're two separate entities and that you're always going to be hampered or or dampening growth if it's a non-profit. I, I didn't understand yeah, the
0: that. Only, the only the only way uh, an organization makes a not-for-profit is by its very definition. We we do not distribute uh, profitability out to shareholders. Right. So that's the only difference. That's <laughs> the only difference. It's a not-for-profit. The earnings are retained yep. to maximize your mission yeah. and keep it internally versus distributing out those profits. That's, that's right. That's the only difference that we see here between a, for profit and not for profit, and uh, even by the Wichita Business Journal, um, I do believe we're very close. I think to being recognized as award winners in almost every single Wichita Business Journal category there is, yeah. from healthcare heroes to best in business to manufacturing innovation, green initiatives, collaboration, diversity. We've won every one of those awards over the past uh four years. Every single category. And we're a not for profit. Yeah. So there's one more proof yeah. that uh a not for profit can bring home every business award that's offered by, you know, a great group like the Wichita Business Journal, which recognizes a lot of cool things that businesses do.
1: Yeah. Well and I would think too, I I always contend that if you want your Folks engaged um, you, if people feel like they 're part of something bigger than themselves, they will do anything and i 've always heard the argument as well it 's a nonprofit if these people are volunteers or we don't we can 't pay as much we're not a budget and so they 're not going to be as motivated as someone 's working for her. and i'm like i just don 't buy that because if 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 you 're bought into something that you feel like you 're part of something bigger than yourselves you 'll do you 'll go through the ends of the earth for people, and it feels like that 's the advantage particularly in vision has and when I walked around the facility and I met the folks you got this sense anyway that people understood they're part of something bigger than themselves that's an outsider's observation what do you think when you when you hear me say that
0: uh, agree yeah uh, it's a great observation because it's true um, you know many of the events that we sponsor and especially in vision in the state of Kansas the state of Kansas is not strong when it comes to visual impairment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unlike uh, states like Utah that has a line item in their state budget for blind, visually impaired support and training and so forth, Kansas has nothing of the sort. And our county, nothing of the sort. Our city, nothing of the sort. So there's no funds that come from the county to support Envision, no funds that come from the city that support Envision, and just some very mild state funding that we have for uh, for individuals here at a certain section of our organization and so it's up to us to support that and um, and you don't do it necessarily between the hours of eight and five mm-hmm. so we have dozens and dozens of employees that are working with senior citizens and um, and individuals that need assistance and events that we do that we fund and support that are into the evenings into the weekends through the holidays. And so it is, it's over and beyond because we're, we're serving and working with these people yeah. that, um, part of the fun is it is through the holidays. Part of the fun is the evenings. Part of the fun is sunrise breakfast scramblers. And, um, whether it's sports or dance or linguistics and braille, art, you know, we have 21 different programs and services and the stuff's around the clock. Yeah. And it takes travel we're also becoming a nationally known organization. So now a lot of our employees are having to travel to represent. So that's a sacrifice. Anytime you're traveling out of town, it's a sacrifice. It's longer days. It's being away from your family. And they're doing it in a very gleeful way because we're providing inspiration and opportunity to the individuals that need it.
1: Well, again, it goes back to, like I said, I mean, because you feel like you're part of something unique and special and you're doing something. And again, it goes to the we're we're always trying to separate our professional life from our personal life and work life balance which I don't like that term it's like you have a life you don't have a personal life and a professional life you have a life and it's like if you can f- work someplace where you know you got to take it all in the family and everything but it's it, does that make sense like you, oh, yeah. you're living it's, a um, life instead yeah, of yeah
0: we we are we are fortunate at Envision because we we do have jobs and they're very good jobs and then as part of our job, though, we get to give back. Right. And so uh, we are feeling that need within ourselves mm-hmm. every day we go to work. I mean, we have two entrances in this building that we're in today. We have a parking lot where you can come in through the back, and then we have a front entrance. I mean, I park in the back, but every single day I come through the front door because uh, I have the opportunity to engage with someone that right. maybe I haven't talked to before or to re-engage with someone that I know very well. And so I'll always take the opportunity to walk through that front door because it's fun, yeah. and it's exciting, and it's always inspirational. And so um, it is that. So we get that every day. We get that opportunity every single day, which yeah. many people uh, do not have that opportunity.
1: What was the dream for you when you get you byproduct of Idaho? Is that right, Boise, Idaho? Is that where you're from? Yeah,
0: Boise, Idaho. and. Um, Subway, car, locomotive, mass transit, New York, Louisville, Montreal, and uh, New Jersey, and then came to Wichita in '03 for the bus company the bus here, company. Optima Bus. So I went from New Jersey to Wichita in 2003.
1: And What was the dream going back to that kind of progression? I don't know, getting out of school. Was it always business? Was it always entrepreneurship? Was it always leadership? Was it, I'm going to be a CEO someday? What was the dream?
0: Well, the dream to get out of college was just to get a job. <laughs> right. You know, that's where it started. And I graduated from Boise State on a Saturday and was in New York City on a Monday, learning about the subway car business with a company out of Boise called Morrison Knudsen. And so with that, I was pretty good at it, pretty you, good salesman. You had
1: a, so you had a job right when you graduated? Yes. The first yeah, time,
0: yeah. Yep. I got it about three weeks before graduation. And I'd worked with Morrison Knudsen previously through other type of arenas and opportunities and someone there was helping me find a job uh, in the transit business because I was I, I liked locomotives right and um, and the job that they were trying to get me didn't come through so they hired me themselves so I got lucky yeah and uh, but here's where it is you need to be out there on Monday and you just went oh yeah yeah. never been to New York before and um, was it downtown was it like in Manhattan or yeah it, it was sub- the subway car business wow. yeah the plant was in upstate New York, but the deals were all done, and the, the subway cars themselves were all in New York City. Yeah. So I started out as a contract administrator mechanic on the line to understand what these things were. So right. I worked with the with the mechanics to understand how they ran. I had never seen a subway car before. Right. And so it was pretty cool. And I eventually became New York, New Jersey sales manager, and then a director of sales, and then eventually vice president which was back in the home office in Boise, Idaho. And then from there, I got the opportunity to become a CEO of a supplier of window systems to subway cars. Wow. And that was in um, 1992. And so I've been running companies since then. Since then. Yeah, and so, that was a troubled company at the time.
1: And so yeah. as you saw yourself progressing from from a personal leadership standpoint, was it like, yeah, I had the eye on, on the ball of being a CEO, or you just... You were just trying to do the best that you could in whatever position you were had, and yeah. just kept, yeah. Uh,
0: just a very successful um, uh, salesperson, government affairs individual, and then the CEO opportunity came along, and I was fortunate enough to get it. Yeah. And so I'd never thought about necessarily aspiring to become a CEO. The opportunity came about, and I got it. Yeah. And um, I, so ever since then, it's been a blast. Yeah. I, I've turned around five or six companies and in different fields from transportation to real estate, you know, Occidental Management here in town, and yeah. uh, really got Gary O'Borny off and running with a lot of his new developments, and he's went on to do just incredible things yeah. now here locally. Uh, but I'll tell you, back in uh, 2006, you know, that's when the first shopping centers were coming up out of the dirt. yep yeah. And... um He's really parlayed that very well. I'm very proud of his efforts. And then uh, after we sold Optima Bus, that's when I got into Occidental. And then they called again, and they had a food company in Dallas, Texas, and in Santa Barbara called Future Food Brands. And the controller had embezzled $2 million in Santa Barbara. Oh, my. They terminated the CEO for being asleep at the wheel, and it needed to be rebranded, retooled, and re-strategized. It was um, mayonnaise and cream cheese based dips and one of the biggest ones in the country every walmart all the whole foods and hummus was coming in and just destroying their market share so all that was going on and i said what do i know about food (laughs) i don't know you'll figure it out and it was great we eventually sold it to a a place in wisconsin and it was right before i had this opportunity yeah so
1: you know hearing you say that and you know from subways to hummus to working with the blind what are the kind of absolute, the threads anyway, from a leadership standpoint, from a business standpoint, as you're looking back on that, what are the ones that really stand out for you that's kind of, you know, are universal, I guess, if you're saying, that have kind of contributed or what you say, or at least you think attributes to your success?
0: Yes, I think, um, one, people. Yeah. It, It really does come down to having a great team. in the the major areas that you can depend on, and they can depend on you, and you work it as a team. And uh, you can drive hard, you know, but as long as, uh, you know, you support your people, um, you know, they're going to support you. And with that, it just it, it rolls throughout the organization, and you can really get great things done. So it's always about having the best possible team you can have around you is without a doubt, a key to success for a CEO yeah um, Two, having a solid strategy that you've actually worked hard on put together and that you follow and that you believe in that strat plan processing and that you've done your critical thinking up front and that carries you through the year and then you keep it refreshed every year and you continue to follow it there's so many discussions that we have around the table that wait a minute. We 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 vetted this already through our strapdown process. We made our decisions. Stay true to it. Yeah. And um and uh, don't get uh, don't start waffling on a bunch of things. Stay steady through your process, which uh which is a solid strategic plan that is alive at all times, and you continue to keep it refreshed on an annual basis.
1: I like that you said keep it alive. I mean I. I you know, the gap between strategic execution and strategic planning is always there in every organization. Everybody's like, well, how do I, how do I close that gap? I contend that it's always, like you said, hearing you say, keeping it refreshed. Hey, I, I would contend that probably your biggest challenge is communicating that consistently. Because just like you said, it's like always reminding people. And that's why having that litmus test from, so that every decision can be, you know, thrown up against it, right? To keep, Make sure people are going down that plan. So yeah. how do you close that gap is really what I'm getting at. How well, what we
0: do it? is um we work on it together at a director level and above, and they're working with all of their teams. So the whole company has got some sort of buy-in yeah. during the process of manufacturing the plan and going through the swats and the pests and so forth to to verify things. But then make sure you do a good job of presenting it and laying it out to the organization and making sure all those directors are rolling it out to their team and make it visible everywhere. And I mean, I'm running a company for the blind, but our strap plan is visible, visible. everywhere. Yeah. It's around. It's in braille. It's on the manufacturing mm-hmm. floor. It's in the cubicles. It's in the corner offices. It's in every it's conference everywhere. room. Yeah. You, you can't miss it. It's, it's present and it's, it's boiled down to one easy, understandable chart that it's a 75-page booklet that backs it up, and it's rolled out with a critical path methodology that's measured quarterly. You can't escape it. Right. And if we're falling behind, it's red ink. You'll yeah. see it. Yeah. And um, and then what we did, just to further that, is we created the pillars of Envision that mirrored the same principles as the Strat plan that we felt was maybe even more palatable and easy to understand for every employee that we have. And it's the pillars of envision. And this was a migration of good ideation from the staff that I wish I could have used this word pillars, you know, 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago, because it's really cool. And it really gives us the the feeling of stability when you've got the pillars of envision. And and it's it's hard to get off track around here. Yeah. You know, we're hemmed in by strap plans and pillars and it's all very secure it's safe it feels strong and um and it's the real deal and so um and it in and the pillars are about employment which is focused for the blind it's about growth we always want to move forward it's about the people it's about services that we share and it's about the community yeah. we're big on community play at envision our radio station was always for You know, all the other not-for-profits that wanted to come in and share their story, our in-trust room downstairs, which is a beautiful multi-purpose room, is always open for all the not-for-profits, and for that matter, the for-profit companies that want a beautiful meeting space that can accommodate a a catered lunch and so forth. You know, we're here for the community, and we really do take pride in being a community player. In fact, we also donate and support other not-for-profits in town that need the help and support and assistance. And so we're there for them also. So it's part of our pillars.
1: Yeah. It, again, from an outsider looking in and I eat this stuff up and, and communication and getting that kind of commander's intent, if I can use a Marine Corps term, communicated to the folks. I saw that even, you know, when I went in with fresh eyes and visit, visiting both facilities, and I saw that. And I'm like, yeah, this is somebody that's you got it in a beautiful uh, visual style. It's easy to digest. And so I can't help but think that if you just continually uh, I imagine your job is just to continually remind people about oh, I this. And, and, that, and it, that is probably your primary job, I would imagine.
0: It's certainly one of the most important things I do. And then we took that Pillars and we made these 59-second... uh, 59 second, uh Attachable voice cards that they can put on their refrigerator at home I or their computer. And it's basically a... What does the hold for a That's cool. We aspire to be a world-class recognized leader in the blind and low vision. And so it reminds them, and it goes through each of the that. five pillars.
1: That's cool. Yeah.
0: Employee.
1: I like it, yeah. So I'm a communications junkie, as i yeah. can tell. you tell. And communicating that all of this is just going to close that gap, or at least it should... You know, the intent anyways to yeah, close the Yeah, and, and it
0: needs to be repeated. It needs to be consistent. Yeah. And it needs to be digestible. I mean, it's got to be something that, so the five employee, the, that we had contest where if you can tell us what the five pillars are, here's your koozie. Yeah. And exactly, so we went through and at right. first nobody knew anything. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't do it. And then they had, you know, how do we remember the five pillars? And, and it was really cool. GPS was growth people and services and then employment and community on the other end. And, and they all learned it. So every employee at a vision knows these five pillars. And we did it through uh repetitive communication yeah. and contests and made it fun. That's how you change it, the culture, it was fun. right? And yeah, it becomes it was fun. the culture, yeah.
1: No, that's impressive. I like that. What do you think your biggest leadership challenge is now? I mean, if you're looking at, at where you've come as a leader, you've certainly had setbacks and successes and dare you even say failures but you're always pressing forward. What are the challenges that, that you're facing now, and how are you tackling them?
0: Yeah, the key, the key future challenge that we continue to strive for and vision is sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, we're creating a, a fascinating organization here that's really second to none now in the country. We are regarded as the premier blind agency in America, bar none. Mm-hmm. Chicago, New York, L.A., Dallas, there's nothing close to what's going on with Envision with our Early Child Development Center, our rehab situation, the Envision Research Institute, the Workforce Innovation Center, which is being built now, and our manufacturing operation. You combine that, there's nothing like it. There's manufacturing operations all around the country, but nothing like the support, the foundation and mission services group that we've now built here in this 75,000 square foot structure, which will be full here by March is to continue to create the sustainability for what we've built mm-hmm. and so it's one thing getting it built, so we've had a lot of uh, incredible philanthropic support to build you know these floors out and so forth, and so the key here is to get that sustainability model set up to where the organization's fully sustainable without continued funds and we have a very thriving manufacturing operation here and um, military. Uh, presence in 10 states and 16 military installations. So, you know, a lot of our profitability is generated from that, that funds, you know, a lot of, you know, 90% of the things here. And, but that necessarily isn't going to last forever. And so we're continuing to try to evolve, reinvent opera- opportunities here to create that ultimate sustainability model to keep everything running for many, many more years to come. We've been here for 85 years. The key challenge is creating that model that lasts the next 85 Mm -hmm. because it's rapidly changing our business, our model, the world for the blind, any not for profit. It's evolving, Richard. (laughs) It's evolving. And if you don't stay sharp and evolve with it, you won't be here in 80 years. Right. And so our biggest challenge is sustainability.
1: Does that mean that you're, are you, are you
0: going into other
1: areas of your business, you know, other products, other. I mean. Uh,
0: Absolutely yes, we yeah, are. Everything. We are uh, migrating. Um, it's very important. Uh, we are heavily dependent on the United States government uh, for a lot of our contracts. We're heavily dependent on the United States military for a lot of our revenue generation, mm-hmm. and we need to be more commercially oriented, which we've been working hard on our strap plan for four years and it's hard to do. Yeah. And so, uh, but we have to continue and aspire to be more commercially driven. Yeah. And that is through relationships with, um, large organizations that have commercial arms that see value in what we provide. And so we're hard at work at that right now, but it, it's, it's an absolute must and We're accelerating that through acquisition. So we're in an acquisition mode right now. Envision will make an acquisition by the end of June of 2018. It will be in a commercial product type arena. It may or may not be in Wichita. Right. And then we're also moving geographical expansion. We've got a very keen eye on the state of Utah for the reasons I shared earlier in terms of our line item and our budget. And there's no blind, visually impaired presence of an agency in Utah. And so we've been working hard on, you know, Salt Lake City or Arena and getting something started up there.
1: Yeah. Who are your heroes if you look back?
0: Yeah, got, got uh, a host of them, you know, um, and some of them that have been uh, incredibly impactful to me from a business standpoint. Um, George Johnson, who got me started uh, about the story of having a job coming out of college mm-hmm. and was a huge mentor to me, Bill Carroll out of Boston, who gave me that first c e o job that I mentioned, was very very impactful to me and uh and uh Tom Nathanson, who was the chairman at American capital as I continued to move through different um different industries so you know the first individual believed in me to hire me out of college, the second one believed. In me to be able to run a company. Then the third one believed in me to be able to move from industry to industry and uh, have the confidence that you can learn that industry and your skills are transferable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then of course, then my heroes are the board of Envision who, who believed in me that I could come back to Wichita and run this wonderful organization that Many of them have been volunteers in for many, many years. So it's yeah. pretty cool. And then outside of that, um, you know, people that uh, that are dynamic, that that have an impact in the world outside of just their own business. Um, in terms of maybe not a hero, but individuals who inspire me yeah. to to keep moving and pressing forward. And uh, when I really think of Someone that I could sit here and listen to for hours and listen to them talk about uh the world and how we can all make a difference is Joel Osteen. yeah, big fan of this guy with an attitude of every day's a Friday, yeah, and um really believe in that type of thinking mm. and progressive thoughts that you can move mountains with that
1: yeah i love I love that you said that you know one of the probably biggest lessons I've learned or got out of this show. Um, and talking to, you know, 350-plus interviews is that the limiting beliefs don't go away for anybody, right? And we're kind of kidding ourselves. Even some of the people you look and have achieved some significant things, and they battle with, you know, every morning they wake up and they got to quiet that gnawing voice in their head. And to me that was kind of relieving when I heard that, right? So I'm curious about what are your personal habits of success? What do you do as an individual how do you kind of deal with those limiting beliefs that negative self talk or even you know, when things are looking bleak how do you how do you press forward
0: pure determination yeah and uh in inner strength yeah and belief yeah just just that positive thinking overcomes it, and fortunately with envision, you know we We haven't had a ton of adversity, right yeah we've kept the the ball moving forward in a very positive manner, and we've been very fortunate on many many angles. We continue to smile uh but we've we've really had a great run of successes on multiple fronts, and so in this experience you know we've we've dealt with that positive attitude, and good things have come, yeah, so it's pretty interesting so it's been a while, right? I mean, some of the major turnarounds, I can remember those, those, those darker times and bad luck type situations and oh no's, but it was all just about perseverance and determination. I do believe that with effort and belief, you can also come through and it doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. There's no easy way out no. here. But if you really believe to dig just one more uh, bit deeper, to get what you have to do, just believe that things can can be better than they are. And it's yeah. fascinating, at least in my history, how that's been able to happen.
1: Well, and that's, that's another lesson that I've learned, too, is that it really is less about the talent. It's all about the tenacity. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's always do about the tenacity. Right? You
0: know, you know and, and I try to talk with my team about that, too, that, hey, any time you can look at it to where you've done your best, that's usually good enough. Yeah. And leave it at that. As long as you can say you've done your best, it's good enough. Yeah, and I think sometimes we, we, we buy into this myth
1: that this path towards significance or success, however you define it, is this straight linear, you know, perfectly executed, and that's just not the way it is. It's this kind of jagged
0: It meanders.
1: It meanders, but you're always going forward. Absolutely. Right? And you just never quit. And I think that is the differentiator between those that succeed and those that don't it's just you know that that's always my biggest fear and regret is like well what if what if to, if if I just try one more time you know that might be the time that pushes me yes to the edge, of course right? and that's that's the way you got to look at it yeah
0: right? it's like a hole in one yeah you know I know some of the greatest golfers ever that have played for 20 25 years of great golf and a lot of it just never have got that hole in one and I know duffers that have had like two or three hole-in-ones. Right. Right, And they're nowhere close. Right. But it just happens. So I always believe that it is right around the corner. Yeah. Because many times it is. Yeah. And then it happens.
1: I think that leaders, if you're in the leadership game, that you have to suspend the belief on how things are going to get done. You just know they're going to get done. Right. Even though the odds are insurmountable.
0: Absolutely know it's going to get done. And we have a lot of discussions around this table that we're sitting at right now, which is where the Zeva, it's just not an option. It's it's, it's gonna get done. Yeah. Yeah. And and it and it is. We do have a good team of individuals here that we've surrounded ourselves with and they're all similar in terms of their belief that they can get things done. Yeah. And um and you're very fortunate when you get a team assembled and sometimes it it takes three or four or five tries yeah. before that team eventually gets assembled. That you can depend on and that all share that belief that yes, we can get it done.
1: I think the ideal is having that intensity of will and that tenacity piece coupled with this humble, teachable spirit. Yep. And you have you combine that, I think that's the ultimate leader. I agree
0: with you, Richard. I mean that's exactly what it is here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I, I see it. I sense I it. I touch every employee on the floor. Yeah. Every role whether you're winding bags or doing gun slips or um uh helping uh blind people how to draw i mean every individual in this organization i know every one of them yeah which is right now i think we're at about 335 people yeah and uh make it a big point to engage with them and and um everybody's a believer yeah
1: no i sense it you know and again as a student of leadership junkie and and they get the sense, I mean, I, I sense that here, and, and I just think it's great. And one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have you on the show. How can people, as we wrap up here, how can people get in touch with Envision, learn more about Envision, reach out, help out with Envision? What, what would you want people to reach out to?
0: It's very easy. We have a great website, uh, www.envisionus.com. And to learn more about Envision, learn how to volunteer, learn how to give Uh, if you're interested in being employed here there's a great career page there's always openings in terms of across the spectrum at envision that are upward mobility type of opportunities but our website is the best tool to learn more or to engage with envision and there's uh, always people available to talk to you so that's the best way
1: great i'll have links to all this on the post i encourage all my listeners to reach out and, and learn more about envision uh, it's a CEO, in my opinion, that 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 gets it and is executing all uh, the Dose of Leadership principles we talk about on this show. So, Michael, it's an honor to finally sit thank down you, with Richard. you. So, thank you, Richard. It's always great seeing you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email to gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.